activity that took place on Friday and ask you a few questions uh, about that. And um, are you ready to begin there? I am, yes. So one of the things that you said in your, um, in your comments uh, to the audience, and I think it's um, something that I wanted to make sure that people in Woonsocket understood, you uh, suggested that probably our, our best product is um, the water that uh, is available here in Woonsocket. And, and it is true, if you look at uh, so many communities in Rhode Island, there's only a few municipalities that have their own water reservoir and water system. And uh, we're one of them. And so I thought maybe you could go over some of the, some of the things that you said about uh, that very special natural uh, item that we have um, that uh, Woonsocket can be proud of. Dan, you're on first. Thank you. So I think that when you when you think about what we need for sustenance and, and survivability in, in any community, uh, one of the things, obviously, we need clean air, uh, but the next thing would be uh, a good water supply. And when you see uh, communities around the state and around the country that constantly have water bans and, and restrictions, we are so blessed that our forefathers had the site to look for and um, develop an ample raw water supply uh, all around our community. And very little water that we consume is actually located within Woonsocket, but our forefathers were able to acquire, develop, and um, secure these great water supplies. One is actually located outside our state, and it's in the state of Massachusetts. And we have that water resource available to us. Now, couple that with this new state-of-the-art water treatment plant, uh, we have the best of, of everything because we have people who now purchase water from us because we have such a great supply and such a good quality. And as you heard, Roger, at that um, Monday, uh, Friday's event, uh, one of the individuals from DOH said that they believe this is one of the best water supplies in the country, uh, not only in the state. So when you when you rise to that level, that we are you know in control and in um, in have that available to us as a city resident, I'm happy that um, you know people thought that much ahead when they bought those plants. I mean uh, the reservoirs and develop them and i hope that down the road people look back at us and say you know our forefathers speaking of of us had the foresight to develop and create a good water treatment plant which you know utilizes that raw water supply so i think it's um it's what needed to be done and unfortunately it was not always a popular choice and not everybody was in agreement with with me and others who thought that this was the right thing to do. But Roger, you were there Friday. Um, tell me what what did you think of that plant? Well, the way I likened it um, to um, when I was a kid working in a mill, and when I w- went into the mill, I saw all this equipment, and I felt that the former water treatment plant was like a mill structure. Uh, and walking into this new plant was like walking into a um, hygienic computer room uh, to see how water is treated in a building today in um, in such a clean and bright atmosphere is a far cry from um, the way it was uh, handled before. So was I impressed? 
Yeah, I certainly was. And to see how how it's run by computer screen, you know, I mean, we we see that in in uh, the rest of the, the industry uh, that we uh, go into, uh, people punching up little screens and so forth. And it's the same way, except you're running this massive, complicated facility. I was impressed. Yeah, good. And, and you know, I want to, I, I know you and I had spoken on Friday, but... How easy was it to to locate this plant when you were trying to find it, Roger? <laughs> right. It is really removed from things, isn't it? Huh? And and so we we didn't destroy the neighborhood. It's um it's tucked up nicely uh, into the the woods, and it's almost invisible from the neighborhood. And and it's a quiet plant. There was, I think, virtually no noise. I think we were making more noise when we were talking. Um, on Friday, but you know, I think it was really uh, a good placement, and it's a it was well the, the construction was well run, and I, I give Steve D'Agostino a lot of credit for that. But you know, as has been said, when you do a project this size, a fifty six million plus fifty six million dollar plus um, project, a lot of people deserve credit, and um, I, I wouldn't want to single out just Steve. I think um, there's a, a ton of people that need credit and um i think that we should all be thankful for everyone that was involved in in the development and construction of this plant i'd like to um clarify uh, something for our audience uh, so we still have a water department here in Woonsocket, but i think it's kind of separated uh into two entities first of all we have a vendor running this very sophisticated complex uh, water treatment plant, and that would be Suez, uh, and they were uh, introduced uh, with Mr. Henning on Friday. But we still have a water department that actually maintains the system out out in the, shall we say, out in the city, um, underground, uh, wherever there's a, a water problem. Uh, is, is, this, uh, is this an assumption that we can uh, make? Yes, and what I, my understanding and the way it's always been explained to me is we've always had uh, like a division, we had the water treatment plant staff, and we had the out what they call the outside crew. And the outside crew are the people that are really visible to me and you. They they'll come into your home and change a water meter, or they'll fix a water main break, or those people that we see is they call them the outside crew. They all still have their jobs. They all still are employed by the city of Winsocket, um, and. Their their lives haven't changed much, um, except they're dealing with a better product for delivery now. Um, the plant itself uh, is being run by Suez, but my understanding is that they ended up hiring some of the the uh, former staff from the old water treatment plant, and some of the other staff chose to go into different positions on the outside crew. So it it's many of the faces are the same. Uh, but now we just have this huge company that has some responsibility in making sure that our water is always perfect for the delivery to the to the residents' homes. And um, so, uh, one more thing on the water treatment plant: um, how do we pay for it? Uh, it's a fifty-six million dollar thing, and and we do thank Steve D'Agostino for uh, lopping off uh, some of the. Um, some of the cost of it because it was going to cost more money but uh he did a nice job of uh saying well do we need this and let's do this and so forth uh how do we pay for it so it's it's initially financed um through the in the uh let me get the right 
the it's the bank that uh, finances all water treatment plants, and I'm trying to think of the infrastructure financing. I, I forget the exact name of the bank, but the gentleman was was there um, on Friday who headed that financing. So the, Jeff Beal. the initial project, yes, exactly, yes. Rhode Island the Infrastructure project, Bank is what it's you, called. Thank you, Rhode Island Infrastructure Bank. Um, they financed it, and now the uh, repayment of that loan will be covered by the ratepayers, uh, not by the residents of the city of Woonsocket with their local taxes. It's it's covered by the ratepayers, so that the people who use our water, say from Blackstone and and North Smithfield and into Cumberland, uh, they all share in the cost of this new water treatment plant because it is a um, it's a utility. And it's it's being paid for by the people who use the utility, not the uh, individual people of Woonsocket. And we get more and more customers outside of Woonsocket into the Woonsocket system to help spread that uh, that cost off. So therefore, we actually have some Massachusetts residents and and North Smithfield and even a few Lincoln residents and even Cumberland too, uh, for that matter. Uh, who are, uh, you know, kind of, um, well, they're paying their water bill, so they're helping pay the bill. Yes, exactly. And, and that's, that helps to, obviously, the, the more you spread the, the expense out, the less it is of a burden for each individual person. But one thing I just want to mention, uh, as, as you saw, uh, Governor McKee was there, uh, who I think most people realize he's a Cumberland resident, and he was, um, as he was touring the plant, he was looking around and he said, boy, I, I wish when I was mayor I had done something like this in Cumberland because he was he was he seemed very impressed with the facility uh, to the point that he says he wishes that, that, that it was located in Cumberland and that he was selling water to us. So um, <laughs> it's not the case, sorry, Governor, but um, it was nice that he noted that. All right, so it was a, a grand day uh, for Woonsocket, and, and we'll uh, leave it up to uh, Steve D'Agostino to announce uh, when the general public uh, can go up there and, and do it, because they, uh, I do think there's going to be a uh, what we call a general open house later this season. Yes, and, and I think anyone that, that can make themselves available when that happens won't believe uh, what, it, what a, first of all, how the building is set, on the property and more importantly how it doesn't affect anything in the area and it's just a beautiful location so um i i hope that people get to get a chance to see it all right thank you uh we're going to take a break here uh, and then we'll go into uh last night's uh, city council meeting but i have to um I have to bring a few of our advertisers into the picture. So can you stand by, Mr. Gendron? Absolutely. Thank you. Our guest is Council President Dan Gendron, and we're reviewing, or we will review, the Woonsocket City Council meeting from last night after we check in with Grumpy's. Inside or outside dining, or your favorite pickup order from Grumpy's Restaurant in Bellingham. Open seven days a week with a great luncheon menu and a full menu from burgers to steaks to seafood and mouth-watering Italian dishes, including pizzas, on one of the best menus in the area. Hungry today or tonight? Come in and enjoy friendly service, reasonable prices, and great food at Grumpy's. Call ahead for pickup or to place a reservation to dine in at 508-883-0101. Grumpy's Restaurant, 190 Pulaski Boulevard in Bellingham. Grubhub delivery is available. And when you go into Grumpy's on a Monday through Thursday basis, like tonight, 
After 4 o'clock, they will hand you uh, the uh, regular menu and also the $10 dinner specials. And recently, uh, I took one of the uh, menus. Uh, this is not tonight's menu, but this was uh, from last week anyway. Uh, $10. All these items. Baked stuffed shell dinner. Oven baked meatloaf dinner with two selected sides. Could have uh, green beans or seasoned kernel corn or sautéed zucchini or french fries, mashed potatoes. Two sides with the oven-baked meatloaf, $10. Lasagna homemade at Grumpy's with garlic bread, $10. And uh, how about uh, tender roast beef, slightly heated and, and topped with a nice sausage sauce, huh? Two sides also, $10 for a roast beef dinner. And a shepherd's pie, baked uh, golden brown, $10. Huge, big, big shepherd's pie. It's uh, the $10 Monday through Thursday, after 4 p.m., special selection from the chef menu at Grumpy's, Pulaski Boulevard, South Bellingham. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. Time out for Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs reintroduces flip-flop wines. And listen to this, we have two bottles of flip-flop for $10, including Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Pink Moscato, regular Moscato, Chardonnay, and Pinot Grigio. Again, two bottles for $10, mix and match. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California in six varieties, including Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and Moscato choices. And yes, it's two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyard's quality wine experiences. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light, 30-pack, 2647 plus tax. New hours for the convenience of customers 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily. So, for a great selection of beer, wine, and spirits, you can count on Champs Liquors. 481 Clinton Street. Have a question? 765-1800 and speak to Mike the Manager. They're back and they're fresh and they're delicious. The Italian grinders from the Winsocket Oaks Lodge. Every Tuesday, 10 to 1. And they're still only $7 and they're huge. Drive into the lot at 380 Social Street to pick them up. They have the cooler there and, and the uh, Elks members. And you give them $7 and they'll give you a nice grinder. That's every Tuesday today, 10 to 1, right there on Social Street. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, the panel is uh, Roger and Dan today. I'm Roger Bouchard. Dan Gendron's at the other end. We're going to reconnect with him. Are you there, Dan? I am here for you, Roger. All right, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. And let's uh, go to the council meeting. And the first thing I'm going to say is that there are a couple of uh, public hearings and um, license uh, transfers are kind of um, routine um, routine matters uh, that uh, I guess a, a city council uh, uh, takes care of. And then we have um, 
a new member of the Housing Authority. That's a mayoral appointment. And and is that just informing the council that uh, there's a, a new member, or is it uh, something that needs council approval? No, it's, it's simply um, the mayor's notifying us that she's made the appointment, and uh, there's nothing, no further action that's required. All right, so you just acknowledge it as a courtesy. Correct. Right. So talking and about she notifies us as a courtesy. Yes, so it, yes. And that's going to lead us. Um, I kind of set this set you up for that yeah. one. So talking about I can tell you where. <laughs> talking about courtesies, um, that seems to be uh, something that um, that uh, has um, been an issue with the council last night. And so our lead story, I guess, is the censure last night. Um, I know that uh, Denise Sierra spoke on it. And I heard you two weeks ago at the last city council meeting, um, and I don't know if you used the expression sick and tired, um, but uh, for some reason that uh, came into mind when you were speaking two weeks ago, not last night. Uh, So tell us about this censure, and um, tell us why two council members, uh, did they explain why they they didn't vote against it? Tell us um, uh, as much as you can about it and summarize it. Sure. So we had, as everyone probably knows by now, there was a resolution created by uh, Councilwoman Sierra to censure the mayor, which is is a you know technical term for a warning, and it it's just was to notify the mayor that um, going forward we expect her to follow the charter, uh, follow our rules, uh, I mean our ordinances and resolutions and to just work cooperatively and collaboratively with the city council. And um, last night, one of the things that I said, John Ward a few times said, you know, we want to we wanna work with the um, in-city government. We want to participate. We want to be part of city government. And kind of tongue-in-cheek, I said, no, councilman, I, I want to correct you. I don't often disagree with you, but tonight I do. It's not that I want to work in city government. It's not that I want to be part of government. It's that we have to. We have an obligation just like the mayor does. We were elected. There was, um, you know, not counting the school committee, there was eight people elected in the municipal side of city government. And those eight people were all elected by the people of Woonsocket, and we have a job to do. And part of that is that if you read the charter, it's very, very clear and specific that there will be a collaboration between the two branches of government. And when somebody acts outside of that um, cooperation, then it, they need to be called on it. And hopefully that's the last step. As I, as I said last night, um, we have a problem. I'm not looking to necessarily at this point remove the problem. I'm looking to fix the problem. And my hope is that with this very strongly worded and specific censure that was passed five to two last night, that things will change and we'll never revisit this again. Um, As I've said all along, I'm not looking to be mayor. This is not something that I'm looking to move forward for my own benefit. Uh, This was something that needed to be done for the good of the city and um, the overall collaboration of government. Uh, As far as your question why two people voted against issuing a warning, 
Um, I really can't speak to it. I don't understand why they wouldn't support it. It was um, very clear. This was not a removal. I, I understand if you... If we had jumped to the level of just removing the mayor, I could understand them having some resistance to that. But this was simply a warning to say that um, we've identified some very specific facts, and they are facts. Um, and we want to put you on notice that this is not um, going to be permitted any longer. And, um, you know, I don't know why two of them specifically... Uh, Councilman Susie and, and specifically uh, Councilwoman Gonzalez, they chose not to agree with it at all. And I, I don't know how you're able to not see the facts and just say that, yes, we want to, we too want to see what's good for city government, so we're going to support the censure. They didn't. I don't understand it, but it is what it is. And um, So they didn't speak to the issue, then they just voted no. Not, yeah, not too much. Uh, Councilwoman Gonzalez says, you know, this is um, hindering the will of the voter. Um, but we, again, we weren't removing the mayor. We weren't, we weren't looking to change her role in city government. We were simply saying we want a mayor that's going to follow the charter and ordinances and resolutions. And, and uh, let's face it, we, uh, we have a very capable mayor. She's absolutely capable of of working together with us, as you saw on Friday. Um, Friday was a great event. It was done in collaboration with all of the elected officials, both at the local and state level, and in some cases, the federal level. Um, so she's absolutely capable of, of doing this. And as I said um, five years ago, um, we have a really good council, and we have a good council again this term. Um, why would you not want to have the resources of seven additional people uh, to work with you as opposed to constantly fighting with us? You know, I heard uh, Councilman Kanoya brought up that another radio talk show host, not, not you, but another radio talk show host um, kept saying, we have a very hard-working mayor. She's very hard-working. Um, well, two things can be said about that. There's, there's people who work hard and there's people who work smart. And um, I'd rather have a mayor that's worked smarter than harder. And um, I also, you know, if somebody's working hard to fight against the city council, uh, I don't know that that's a good thing either. So I think good collaboration can come out of this. And um, hopefully we can relieve some of the... Uh, hard work that the mayor has to do because she has seven people who are willing and ready to help her. And um, as I said to Larry Poitras the other day, um, it, Roger, if you were mayor and seven people came over and said, we're here, let's work together and we're going to get this done. Instead of doing everything by yourself in a bubble, wouldn't you rather work eight people together and get something really big done? Yes, of course I would. Dan, did you get any signal uh, from, uh, other than the harmonious uh, event that took place on Friday where uh, both, um, well, all three, uh, the mayor and Dan Gendron and Jim Kanoya, uh, seemed to be all in harmony there. But did you get a signal that, that um, the mayor got a message from this uh, censure or, or maybe that she's just more angry than ever? No, I, I, I did not get a, I, I really took it that... Um, 
there was a turning point. I'm hoping that I read that correctly, and I'm hoping it was a turning point on beginning on Friday. And um, I don't, I didn't see any anger at all. I, I really, um, I felt good about the interaction that I had. I was, I was very close with the mayor through all of that event. Never did I feel uncomfortable or, or that there was any anger towards me or, or the council at all. So maybe, um, you know. Let's face it, sometimes people don't realize how they are acting. And when you put something like this, and, and if you read that censure notice, it was very specific. And it, maybe, maybe she read that and said, hey, you know what, um, let me reassess this. There's, there's a better way to, do, uh, to run government, and uh, that, that might be the turning point. That is my hope. I really, really hope that um, after today... And I'll spend as much time as you want today, but I'm hoping that after today we we don't have to discuss it anymore. Things will be mm -hmm. great for the next 14 months. Well, I um, I brought it up in the sense that uh, the front page story today in the call. I don't know if you saw it, but there you were standing next to the mayor at the water treatment plant, and uh, uh, you looked uh, friendly toward each other, even yes, though you had masks I, I, on. <laughs> well, yeah, you. <laughs> that, that, I, I was going to draw a smiley face on my mask, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is uh, the Upfront program, and uh, Dan Gendron is our guest today, and we're reviewing the um, city council meeting, and uh, I'll just uh, pick and choose some stuff as we go along so that uh, we can get background. Uh, I'm getting the impression that this is the first time that we've used the uh, American uh, Recovery Rescue Funds uh, for, uh, for a project, and that would be maybe to uh, paint the fire hydrants for half a million dollars. Is this the first time you've seen money pulled out of that fund for that? And maybe you can explain what we're going to do with, uh, with that um, contract once it's awarded to somebody. It did get awarded to somebody, I guess, last night. It did. And, uh, yeah, it's actually the second time because uh, the very first uh, money we spent was for Paul Luba's salary. Um, so we, we grabbed 90000 uh, for his salary right up front. And um, but seriously, this is the first project that comes out of the uh, APRA funds. And if you heard, let's face it, John Ward is uh, very knowledgeable because of his um, association in Lincoln. He is the finance director in Lincoln, and he he's been tracking this and the rules and regulations. So, as you heard, him and Paul Luba last night got into some detailed discussions. And um, I think after the discussion took place, everyone felt comfortable with Mr. Luba's uh, explanation and, and how the funds were going to be first used for this. And it was unanimously approved to go out to contract for the recoding or res I forget what the uh, this resurfacing of the fire hydrants for five hundred and forty one thousand dollars. And um, I think this is something that, as I have said right from the beginning, I hope that we use the opera funds for something that will have a lasting benefit to the city and uh, not just to plug holes, you know, for a, a single year's um, budget. And these fire hydrants are something that have needed to be recovered or recoded, and I think that this is a good first step, and there will be more coming uh, in the future. Mr. Luber, I called him the uh, advisor in the back office. You never saw him before. Now uh, now that he's been hired to a $90,000 a year position, are you going to ask him 
like the other um, members of the um, of the administration to come to the meetings um, regularly uh, so that uh, we can see what he looks like? So the, the surprising thing is, and people don't even realize this, but for the last five years, Mr. Luber has been almost the the sole, I don't, shouldn't say the sole, but he has sat in the back of almost every city council meeting and never says a word, uh, is always available if we needed to ask him a question, but never on camera. So I think people didn't even realize that he has always attended council meetings. So no, I didn't. I would expect nothing less from him going forward, um, especially when he put something on the agenda uh, to distribute opera funds. And um, I think that it wouldn't surprise me that he still continues to go to every council meeting. So he will be readily available. Yes. In and your- he, he, uh, he's, I've already called him with questions, and he's been quick to get back to me. All right. Uh, I have a question about these uh, EMA administrative stipends um, in Woonsocket's emergency management program. Uh, so the question is the taxpayers, weren't these individuals, whoever they may be, already being uh, compensated? And is this extra money because they just did a good job? Or well, what's the story there? So at the passing of the last budget, um, with the, the huge sweeping omnibus amendment that was made to the mayor's proposed budget, one of the things that was eliminated was the stipend for the director of EMA and the deputy director. And the belief was that it was not necessarily required and that we have, you know, between the public safety director, the chiefs, and uh, it was the belief that we could get by without those positions and the money was redirected to a different place because they uh, already at, had salaries for their regular jobs is that what you mean correct okay fine. correct so um but at the meeting uh i believe it was it was me or councilman Knoyer. i forget who asked the question um is there a state or federal requirement that we have an ema director or a deputy director and nobody could answer that so um councilwoman gonzalez uh, after speaking to Chief Shatra, um, did have the the um, legis- the requirement that we do. Have, it's a state law that we have at least a a director, and um, you know, in discussion with with the different people and in public safety, we did agree that we would refund, uh, you know, fund again the position of de- director and deputy director. Um, and the one stipulation that we added to last night's ordinance was simply to say, we're going to go forward with this, but um, going forward, the person that holds, and, and it may not, I, I'm not saying that it changes anything, but um, we, the person who has the deputy position or the director's position uh, must be a full-time city employee or a city resident. Um, and John Ward was the one that authored that amendment, and it, his thought was, and it was very good, is that you want, in, in that type of position, you want somebody who's really dedicated and their their primary focus is on the city of Woonsocket, and who better than a full-time employee or a resident of the city that would have Woonsocket in their best interest. And um, it may not change the people that are there now, because they, they may both be... Uh, I know one is definitely a full-time employee. The other one, I believe, is a city resident. So I think it won't change anything now, but going forward, we're going to make sure that 
those two positions are held by people who really put Woonsocket first. When I asked a question about uh, painting the uh, hydrants, I kind of led you astray onto other matters uh, a little bit uh, beyond that. But uh, in the end, we are going to have every hydrant in the city painted by this uh, contractor that we hired. Is that the idea? That is correct. And just so that people don't think it's a ridiculous price, you know, it's a half million dollars, um, this does require the removal of all lead from the existing hydrants. Um, they have to exercise the hydrants to make sure they run properly, and then they are going to apply a new coating, which is lead-free and, and very environmentally safe. Um, and then the testing of the hydrants afterwards to make sure that they, none of them are painted shut or, or are compromised in any way. So it's, it's a big project, and the biggest part is the lead abatement, of course. That's, that's always where the money is. All right, thank you. And um, the other thing I wanted to, um, let me find my notes here. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, winter is around the corner, and it uh, looks like we're allocating a few extra bucks for the, the private vendors who uh, have uh, snow plows. And even with the extra dollars, it's not like they're going to be overpaid, huh? No, and if you look at the, the amounts that Director D'Agostino was looking for, um, for somebody, you know, these, these really big trucks, um, those ones with the dual wheels in the back and everything, a, a 40,000 GVW truck, that they, with a plow gets $125 an hour. And, and that may sound like a lot of money, but when you think that that's got to maintain the truck, the insurance, the, the fuel and all of that, and then the other side of it is if you somebody with a pickup truck, um, they'll get $90 an hour. And it's a small increase from where we are today, uh, but Director D'Agostino feels that this puts us more in line with other communities. And probably the biggest competitor we have is the state of Rhode Island themselves. Uh, he said at last night's meeting that most people tend to go to the state to do their private plowing because they paid a little more than, than Woonsocket specifically. So hopefully this will help him to bring in those necessary uh, plow truck drivers um, with their equipment. And the thing is, the beauty of this is we pay for them during a snowstorm, and then we're done with it. And we don't have more equipment, hundreds, thousands of dollars, you know, dump trucks that are just sitting around because we only need them during a snowstorm. All right. Um, emailer... Um was in Cass Park recently and noticed new concrete footing poured to replace the small bridge that had been removed. Many pink ribbons, survey markers around the brook and the woods between the park and the Dion tract. Do you know what's up with the survey markers? Or should I direct a question to the mayor tomorrow? Uh, I would direct it to the mayor because... Um she hasn't as of yet told us what's, what that's about, but maybe going forward she will. All right. I'll ask her tomorrow when, uh, when she's here because I just got verification that she will be on the program. Well, I have a, other, um, other things to, um, to talk about with you. Uh, would you kindly be on hold while I uh, play a few advertisements, Sim? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, sir. Dan Gendron, we'll be back to him after we check in with... Um, Wright's Dairy Farm and Bakery. Wright's Dairy Farm and Bakery has good news. We're fully open to our customers. And our fall menu is here, including rustic apple tots with cinnamon sugar apple filling. Gourmet caramel apples drizzled with chocolate. Apple dumplings topped with icing and sliced almonds. Apple ring cake and muffins, including cranberry apple, pumpkin, and apple. 
The ice cream shop, Right Scoop, has some great fall flavors too, including salted caramel, pumpkin and pumpkin Oreo, apple crisp, Sunday ice cream, and brown butter pecan. All located at 200 Woonsocket Hill Road, North Smithfield. And our hours right now are Sunday through Wednesday, 9 to 6, Thursday through Saturday, 8 to 7. Oh, and did I tell you the cows are milk daily from 3 to 4.30 p.m. at Wright's Dairy Farm and Bakery. Want to remind you, tonight is Tuesday. You know what that means at River Falls? Well, it means um, we have the uh, burger and brew deal. And what a deal it is. You get uh, a big um, glass of of beer, draft beer. You have like a 20 different kinds of draft beer to choose from. And then you get a, one of the regular River Falls burgers off their menu. And there's so many different choices. And uh, I like the one with um, the uh, Swiss cheese and sautéed uh, onions and mushrooms. I like that. Anyway, choose your burger, choose your beer. There's 12 bucks. You can't beat it every Tuesday at River Falls. And, yes, we are open for what we would call um, lunch, right? And uh, sometimes we're open on the Blackstone, sometimes not, depending on staffing. That's been one of the, uh, one of the issues. So uh, come on in. We're open for lunch at 1130 today where River Falls Restaurant right here in Woonsocket. Hey, if you're in the downtown district, you might want to check out this place. Step back in time at Pass Down in Time Antiques and Collectibles. Woonsocket's newest antiques store. From vintage to mid-century, from rustic to Victorian, you're sure to find items that will bring back wonderful memories like wood crates, tens, viewmasters, books, and small furniture. Pass down in time, located across from City Hall on Main Street, Woonsocket. Open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Pass down in time, where antiques of yesteryear reveal their stories today. All right, just a couple of more notes here. Uh, Old Orchard Farm and Greenhouse on Old River Road in Manville Village is uh, open. Uh, They'll be open uh, just a few minutes at 9 o'clock. Now, the owner, Luke Fillion, was busy earlier this morning, though, visiting local farms and pulling in more of that local, fresh, sweet... Oh, as I, I tell you, I love the corn there from Old Orchard Farm and Greenhouse, and so will you. And um, also local uh, tomatoes, native tomatoes, the big, uh, the big ones there that you can slice up and make um, like I had last night from Old Orchard Farm. The bacon wasn't from them, but the tomatoes was, and so was the uh, lettuce. And uh, a nice BLT. And those uh, fresh native tomatoes really have a great taste this time of the year. Matter of fact, I don't have tomato sandwiches except in the summertime. Don't care for tomatoes uh, other times of the year. So what are you looking for? Raspberries or blueberries or local farm fresh eggs or peppers or whatever it is when it comes to uh, fresh fruits and vegetables. You'll find them. And if, uh, if they're available natively, locally grown, you'll find them right there at Old Orchard Farm and Greenhouse in Manville Village. The only other thing I want to tell you about before we get back to Dan Gendron is Chan's, the home of the best Mai Tais and Scorpion Bowls to go, or to eat in for that matter, and also um, the home of 32 dinner specials. Yeah, special combination dinners. And um, I always uh, go to the top of the menu where the Egg Foo Young is because that's my favorite with chopped suey and fried rice. Anyway, You'll have your own favorite. Coming in this weekend is Luther, guitar, 
Jr., Johnson, and, um, and his group. And uh, on Saturday, Kim Wilson will do her blues at Chan's. It's going to be a great weekend of entertainment at Chan's downtown district. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The panel consisting of Roger and Dan, and uh, Dan's at the other end of the phone. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Roger. Okay, I'm looking at the rest of the agenda, and I'm saying uh, it looks like a lot of routine stuff here. Anything that I might have missed that you would like to uh, bring uh, bring out to our audience before I uh, get into other non-city council issues? Uh, this will be the uh, ticklish part of the uh, interview. <laughs> No, no, I think that um, when you look at it, we, you covered the, the highlights, and I don't think there was, um, there was much more. I just want to, if I can, take one minute. Sure. Um, at, on Friday, I did talk about a, uh, an interview that you had done with me when I was my uh, first-time candidate for city council. And it just made me think, um, I can still remember the first time that I, I had an interview. Uh, it was with you. And it was in studio, and um, it was back in 2007. And the bumper music that you used to segue into the Upfront program still brings back a memory of of the butterflies in my stomach that first time. Because as a new candidate, you're not ready for that. You don't know what to expect. And you were were quite the gentleman. You were very good with uh, handling me nicely when I as a as a new person to the scene and um it just when that music was just playing now I said it brings me right back to 2007 and I can still feel that that same feeling so um I just it's it's funny it, some things don't change all right well thank you for um for bringing that up I appreciate that and now we're going to ask you a little bit earlier in the interview as you were going over um something uh, concerning the center you said well I'm not a I'm not a candidate. Um, so this brings us to mayoral prospects, and the only reason I'm going to bring this topic up is today Seth Magaziner is announcing that he's running for governor. So I guess it's not um, too late or too early to talk about local politics uh, because um, the state guys are going to be doing it for next November. So, um, what do you see out there, uh, Dan? First of all, uh, uh, would you ever consider running uh, this this time around, or uh, or what? Well, yeah, I, I do. Um, I I do feel like I plan to run again. I um, this was a an especially tough term for me because I, uh, as many of you know, I went through some tough times with losing my dad. Um, and and it was that was very consuming at the beginning of this term so it was it was trying to balance you know personal life with public life and it it's um it is what it is at this point but um i do i do intend to run again um and and hopefully the the people of Winsocket will see to vote for me once again i um I, at this point i would see myself as running for city council again I don't have a, a, a particular desire at this point to run for mayor. Um, obviously, if the uh, need came available and I was um, had to step up, I am certainly and absolutely ready to step into the position and um, and do what I have to do. But I don't think that's going to be 
necessary at this point. Uh, I, I obviously hope that we have some strong candidates running again. I think that we've got um, a very good council. I've, I've been on councils where I, I sit there and say, I can't believe that I'm sitting here with these people and it was, you, you probably know the times I mean, and it was um, not, not good uh, for, for me particularly or personally or politically, but I, I stuck with it. I stayed strong through those good times and bad times. And right now, I think we're in a good time. We have seven people who really uh, have the city's best interest at heart. And I, I would hope that at the next election, some of those same people will, will choose to run again. As far as mayor, uh, I know that's probably where the question is leading. The only person that I've heard, I'm assuming that Mayor Baldelli Hunt is going to run again. I, I haven't heard that, but I'm assuming that. Uh, the only other person that I've heard for sure say that, that he is going to run is John Brian. Um, so will this be a, a redo of the last election? I, we, we, that remains to be seen. But I think as COVID um, hopefully wanes down by the next election cycle, you may see a completely different uh, campaigning strategy than, than we had to with the COVID restrictions this last time. You um, you said Brian. Uh, did you uh, actually hear him say that uh, somewhere? Yeah. Well, when uh, he had said that um, to me, uh, maybe it, it was a. I, I didn't think it was a private thing. He just said it very matter of fact that he would be back to run again. And I, um, I believe that he hasn't said that to me um, recently. But uh, when he at the last election, at the end of the last election, he did tell me with. You know, no uncertainty that he would be running again. So um, that, I mean, unless you know that that has changed, I'm going with what the last thing was that he told me. No, I uh, I didn't know whether it changed or not. When I see him this week, I'll ask him about that, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, uh, uh, frankly, it's uh, news to me, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Okay. But, uh, well, maybe this is the newsmaker show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, other than uh, than Mr. Brian, then um, you don't see any other uh, candidates surfacing. Other than candidates surfacing, maybe for a repeat of what they are already holding an office for. Yes, and um, you know, I know it was funny that uh, there was Larry had a uh, an email from a, a a very savvy and wise political advisor. I don't know who it was, but it was an email that he read that said um, John Ward, that this whole censure was all led by John Ward because he was going to lose his job in Lincoln because, uh, you know, there's a new administrator coming in and that the, the Democrat was going to win in Lincoln and um, John Ward would be out and he needed a, a, another job so that he was going to uh, position himself to run for mayor by ousting the mayor of Winsaka and um, as you saw it was not the Democrat that didn't even come close in Lincoln and uh, my understanding I've spoken with the individual who won prior to the election and uh, he seemed to speak very very highly of John Ward and his abilities so I don't know that John Ward is is in any jeopardy of losing his his Lincoln position and uh, he's never told me that he planned to run for mayor uh, come November Tax bills. I got mine. Um, and uh, I remember a, a couple of weeks ago you were a, a little bit um, disturbed about 
even getting information on on when the tax bills were going to uh, get out. But they anyway, they they did get out, and and um, and I guess what my real question is leading to, other than talking about taxes, is the city's finances, and um, I would say uh, with our. Uh, latest bond rating and i would say with all that COVID money uh sitting um in a navigant credit union uh and i would say Winsocket is in pretty good shape uh, financially would you say so mr uh, gentron yes yes i would and i um i think that the credit for that goes across the board i i obviously you know what people see is the the city council when we go to the to the budget meetings, we we chisel apart and break apart the mayor's budget, and we you know usually try to lower it, and we've we've been successful in that in many of the past years, where we lowered the budget. But you know you you've got to also give credit to the mayor because um, she puts together what she believes to be a a frugal and and efficient budget, and um, when we come together, you've got eight people again honing it down some more and with the input from those eight people you end up with a uh, at least maintaining a level tax rate or uh, in in many cases lowering the tax burden to the um, businesses and residential uh, taxpayers in the city so when you look at um, you know there's there's nobody wants to think that that covid was any good there's nothing good about covid but with all of the federal the influx of federal money it also makes us uh, a little bit stronger financially and we we may not have more in our daily operating budget but we're going to get some good projects done like like we talked about earlier with the fire hydrants so um when you look at the overall financial stability of the city I think we are doing much better than we were uh, just a few years ago. Paraphrasing an email I'm looking at here, uh, uh, recognizing that there are seven members on the Woonsocket City Council, do you expect, uh, without naming any names, oh, they're letting you off the hook here, that there are all seven will run again or one or two will not run again? Uh, I, I honestly haven't had the discussion, but um, judging by the way people are acting and, um, you know, being at the meetings and, and participating. And I would think that the majority of counselors are behaving like they would run again. Um, maybe, maybe some are on the fence, but I, I would think that the majority is, is they're acting like they're going to run a, a second um, and another term. That was strictly a speculation uh, type question. So, uh you speculated, so maybe all seven will um, will seek uh, re-election, and of course we will see uh, who might also throw their their hat in the ring um, in terms of um, challenging uh, for the seven seats. Always yes. a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, any final comments before we leave, Mr. Gendron? No, I, I just really want to thank you. I, I you know we joke about it, um, but you always do a great interview, and I thank you for. Uh, inviting me to be on your show again and um, whenever you need to, to speak with me don't ever hesitate to call because uh, you, you you certainly seem to have the, the city's best interest at heart so always available for you Roger thank you so much Mr. Gendron good day to you take care bye bye Dan Gendron on our live line with a live interview here in WNRI
This program sponsored by Savini's. The go-to place for authentic Italian dining is Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. Over 20 Italian dishes made to order from our menu or experience our Sicilian-style pizza. Build your own while you choose from your veggies, meats and cheeses, and of course our traditional family-style chicken dinner is offered every day. Savini's Pomodoro on Rathbun Street with affordable accommodations for weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, and business meetings. Close Mondays, open Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays at noon. For reservations, call 762-5114. That's 762-5114. Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar, 476 Rathbun Street, Woonsocket. Open today at 4. See you tomorrow on the Upfront Program with Chris Boulay.